Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and this is episode 50, Get Bold with Your Marketing with Brooke Janusek, the Grow CMO. What this episode will do for you is help you gain insights from Brooke Janusek, the Bold CMO on the power of embracing boldness, in particular in marketing strategies. To discover how being bold doesn't mean being reckless and how it's about taking a unique position to stand out in the minds of your audience. To understand the importance of aligning brand values with bold marketing efforts and standing by your values even in the face of challenges. To learn about Brooke's journey as a digital nomad, including the positive experiences, the challenges, and the lessons learned. To explore how embracing adventure and breaking out of comfort zones can parallel the principles of bold marketing and discover strategies for managing work-life balance while working remotely and how to optimize your calendar for productivity. So in this episode, we're excited to introduce Brooke Janusek, who is a fractional CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, and digital nomad on a journey to intentionally live a joyful life. She's the founder of The Grow CMO, a fractional leadership solution for effective marketing growth that she founded in 2022 after two decades of as a leading expert in the marketing industry. Now, before we dive more deeply, just a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic positive influence. So you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self-training as a high-performing thought leader. And before I dive into this further, I want to remind you that if you're listening on an app, check out the link in the episode description and that will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com which has extra resources a different perspective that which fits better on a web page than on an audible podcast episode to fill out your learning in this area as well as links to some free offers thought leadership studio So I'm your host, Chris McNeil with Thought Leadership Studio, and I'm sitting here with Brooke Janicek. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. Great Brooke job is- on pronouncing my name, by the way. 
Oh, thanks. It didn't seem that complicated. I guess I could have gone with the Jean Ousset French version, but um, so tell us a little bit about what makes you the bold CMO and how you came about this this concept that you promote of boldness in marketing. Well, I think to be honest, it is something that has evolved with me personally as I've gone through a per personal growth journey in the last two or three years. I don't know that people five years ago would have said that I would be bold, but now that's definitely a brand um, quality that I possess and people are attracted to. And I think a lot has to do with just taking risks and seeing that they are paying off and being just authentically me. I think I've always been bold, but it's just kind of been suppressed. And finally, in the last couple of years, I thought, let's just let it out and see what happens. Wow, that's awesome. So part of it is is being comfortable with your authentic self, perhaps? Yes, 100%. And um, my understanding is there's kind of a pivotal life event too. Mm -hmm. um, and, and tell us about that pivotal event. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, so there's two. I think I know which one you're referring to, which I will tell the story of, but then there's also another one that I would be happy to share. Mm -hmm. But uh, two, well, no, a year ago in March, I was at a conference called the Multi-Unit Franchising Conference, and it is a large conference for franchisors that is in Vegas, and they had, you know, 600 attendees, and the guest speaker was Jesse Itzler. Now, some people don't know who that is, and I had to explain it to several people as well, because when I saw the banners, I was like, oh my gosh, Jesse Itzler is the speaker. And my colleague, he goes, I don't know who that is. And I said, well, it's Sarah Blakely's husband. And then he goes, I don't know who that is. And I was like, oh my gosh, you don't know Sarah Blakely? So for people who aren't uh, aware, Sarah Blakely is the founder of Spanx. Mm -hmm. So she's the first self-made female billionaire and started out selling Xerox machines door to door in Florida and realizing that uh, there had to be a better way to, to make a dollar. And she um, invented Spanx. So I've always followed her journey, just been very inspired by her entrepreneurial spirit, how bold she is. And Jesse, her husband, is equally as bold and equally as accomplished. And so he was the keynote speaker. So throughout the presentation, he gives uh, all of these very inspiring, you know, very like it's a rally cry. And one of the things he said is, if you don't have a seat at the table, you make one. And his second point was, I don't negotiate my goals. So I'm sitting in the audience. I'm in a position where I have chosen a job that wasn't the best fit for me. And I knew it. You know, I knew in my gut this wasn't the right thing for me. And I was wrestling with, do I resign? Do I stick it out? And there was just something in Jesse's speech that really moved me. And so he was taking questions at the end. So I looked at my colleague to my right and I said, I'm going to go ask him a question. And so I hop up out of my seat. I walk up to the microphone and I said, Jesse, I said, there are two things that you said that really moved me today. One was you don't negotiate your goals. And two, if you don't have a seat, you make one, a seat at the table, you make one. And so I may be going around circumventing the system here, but I would really like to know how I get an interview with your wife. And he, he was dumbfounded. Like he just, he stopped and he looked at me and his 
you know, he dropped the microphone for a second and he's looking around at the audience and the audience is dead silent. And I, in those split seconds, I was like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. I've insulted him. This was not what I was supposed to do. And this was not my intention. And then he just got this huge smile on his face. And he goes, I like you. He goes, meet me backstage. We will talk about this. And everyone just started applauding. I was getting high fives when I walked back to my seat and I sat down and my colleague goes, well, that is not what I expected you to ask. <laughs> and so I did go backstage and Jesse was lovely. He gave me his personal email address and he asked me, you know, what is it, what is it that you do and what do you want to do? And why do you think Sarah can help you? So there was just, he asked some really great questions and I was able to email him. He connected me with Sarah's assistant and then she connected me with the director of HR at Spanx. So I would love to tell you that this story ends with me getting a job and being the CMO at Spanx. That is not what has happened. But I will say that was a pivotal moment for me because I took a bold move. And had I not done that, I would not have realized what I was capable of. And three weeks later, I walk into the CEO's office and I resigned from that job. I just knew I had to do it. I had to make a seat at the table for something that I deserved. And I wasn't going to negotiate the goals that I had set for myself that were being compromised at that job. Fantastic. So you took a jump out of the comfort zone. I did. I did. One of my favorite sayings is jump and the net shall appear. And I saw an opportunity. I have been following Sarah's story forever. And I thought, this is the closest that I'm going to get to her. I might as well take this opportunity. And not only did I demonstrate to myself how bold and strong I could be, but I inspired others. I had several people come up to me at that conference afterwards and say, you're my hero. I can't believe you did that. Where did you find the courage to do that? And I've made some really good contacts from that and some really good friends um, as well, just from one bold move that inspired a lot of people. Well, it's a very powerful move. The way I see it, it's like a powerful metaphorical story where you you take the leap with confidence. You suspend your beliefs about who you are in the comfort zone you live in long enough to jump out and, and you end up on this, this other space, this new territory. And you kind of look back and say, who was I then? Was it a shift in identity for you? Right. Yeah. It, you know, I fully believe that I would not have started my own business had that moment not occurred. Had I not had the courage to do that, I wouldn't have had the courage to say, okay, finally, enough is enough. I'm going to resign and start my own business. And it was a shift in my identity. I knew that I was no longer going to negotiate my goals. I needed to set boundaries and no one else was going to do it for me. And so it was either now or never for me to take control. And I think, you know, he was inspiring. I was moved by the whole thing. I was just in the right mindset. And take that leap really showed me that this isn't as painful or as scary as, as I thought it was going to be in my head. And so why not just continue to make bold moves in my career and in my personal life? And you do that for others too, don't you? The power of bold marketing. I stepping, do. Maybe stepping out of the comfort zone of the norms of an industry or, or explain to our audience, if you would, give them vision or your vision of what it bold marketing means as opposed to um, non-bold marketing. <laughs> we'll yeah. yeah, that is a great question. 
So I, I want to be real clear that bold marketing doesn't mean that you are doing something intentionally for shock value. You're not trying to get that viral video. You're not trying to incite this discussion. And, you know, those things are very deliberate. And it's almost like I read this on LinkedIn the other day that social media is becoming unhinged, that people just think that they can say whatever and do whatever because it's going to get a reaction. So that is not what I mean by bold marketing. What I mean is, you know, doing something that you always have to follow the fundamentals of who's our audience, understanding our persona inside and out, and then what's going to resonate with them, what will be bold to them. So you can look at a lot of examples where it has backfired. And, you know, just, just to call out the Bud Light um, snafu right now, you know, it was a bold move on their part. And I'm not saying that it was wrong that they did it, but I don't think that they really took the the time to think, okay, our ideal customer persona may not align with what we're doing here. And they didn't really think that through and or were not prepared to address what happened afterwards. So I think if they, mm -hmm. you know, I applaud the, the bold move, but I think that it probably was just the wrong mark for their audience. And right. so they, um, they took a risk and it, and it didn't pay off, but um, I think it could have paid off it had they approached it differently and just said, this is, you know, we're trying to go after a new audience. We're trying to attract different people, but the core of, of Bud Light drinkers don't align with that. Um, perception or that that view and so i think that was their their miss well, that's a great clarification yeah. so what you mean if the way i'm understanding it is being bold doesn't necessarily mean being reckless correct that's exactly that's a great interpretation that's a exactly and so what what does being bold mean can you give us an example or an illustrated yeah. story or, or a set of principles or a model that you would define if, if you're meeting with me and I was a prospective client and I said, hey, Brooke, what is bold marketing? What would it mean for us to mm -hmm. be bold? Well, I think uh, ha bold is a subjective word. I'm just going to say that. So I'm not skirting the answer, but I'm just saying it could be bold. Bold for your brand could be different than um, for the next brand. So again, thinking about what is our message? And then being consistent and standing by it and not folding if somebody doesn't agree. Um, another example, Nike uh, took a stand with Colin Kaepernick, eh, Kaepernick, excuse me. And they said, you know, we stand with you. And they had a lot of people say, you know what, we don't want to buy Nikes anymore because we don't align. But Nike was like, that's fine. Hey, you know, like do your own thing. This is what we're standing for. And this is, you know, we're going to continue to march forward. So that's a right. an example of, hey, we're going to go ahead and do something that we believe in. And if we lose customers over the deal, that's fine by us because these are the types of people that we want to align ourselves with. And that's, well, that's why a, we're taking this stand. That's a strong statement in itself to say we we mm -hmm. care about our values more than making a quick buck. Yes. We want to stand by exactly values that are more immutable and that may not appeal mm -hmm. to everybody, but where our values are important to us. I think that's maybe, is that a mm -hmm. part of being bold to stand by your values? Yes. Standing by your values, knowing what those values are. You know, you think about when you develop a brand from scratch or as some uh, companies have to go through evolutions and p potentially rebrand values is a core component of that brand development. And what is our voice and our tone and how do do the voice and tone reflect the values back to our to our consumers 
And putting everything through that lens, I believe is really important, either from a personal branding perspective or from a corporate and even employment branding perspective. That's awesome. Now, when people come to you and organizations come to you, are they coming to you for the boldness or do sometimes you sell them on the concept of boldness and maybe see the light bulb go off when they mm -hmm. grasp and see and hear what that really means? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone in particular comes to me that, and says, I want to be bold. They they usually come to me with, I want to grow or I'm having a, a problem with sales. I have flat sales or perhaps we're reaching the wrong audience or our message isn't resonating. And so I usually have to take it back a couple steps and really investigate and find out, okay, these are symptoms of a larger problem likely. And what is that? Uh, nine times out of 10, when people come to me, the, the problem they're articulating isn't really the problem. Right. And so then de if they deciding- knew what the problem really was, they probably wouldn't have the problem anymore. Right, right, right. <laughs> So um, it's not necessarily they articulate that we want to be bold. I think if somebody says that, it's more that they want to stand out. They want to break through the noise. They want to break through the clutter in their industry. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? Mm -hmm. And it could be, a, a, you know, boldly, or it could be just being more clear. There are so many people I work with that the message is not clear. And you would think that that, that is such a basic thing, but you get so close to it and you think, oh yeah, that's clear to me, but is it clear to the intended audience? And nine times right. out of 10, that's sometimes not the case. Well, it's a hard thing to do in our culture sometimes. And we're all brought up in this organizational climate of hierarchical thinking in a lot of cases, maybe not all, but a lot. And the leaders and businesses who make the decisions usually aren't the ones who are on the front lines with the customer at that interface of transaction where they can really see and hear what the customer's pulling for, what's really meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. So boldness to me, and, and what I'm starting to get from this is the bravery to take a unique position. Would that be yes. fair? Mm -hmm. That is a great assessment. You're very good at pulling the, the, uh, the gem out of everything that I've been saying. So thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just create an environment where you shine and you are. Oh, thank and, you. and uh, I'm very intrigued by it because I believe in boldness. I've never articulated mm -hmm. it that way, but that's it, a really meaningful way to put the bravery to stand out and take a unique position where there's such a unseen invisible force pushing businesses to be commoditized. Mm -hmm. I do this kind of thing. So we should emulate everybody else doing this kind of thing mm -hmm. here and see it all the time. And I'm like, do. well, don't you want to be proprietary and stand out, you know, and, and that's, that's a powerful way to put it is because, because you're putting it in terms of emotion mm -hmm. and, and organizations evoke emotions and customers. And what emotion do you want to evoke? You know, Something exactly. else I think is, and I, I don't want to switch tracks if you want to go a little more into some of this stuff about what it means to be bold, but you're a digital nomad. Is that right? I am. Yes. I'm so intrigued by that. I have digital nomad jealousy. I've thought oh. of it and haven't uprooted myself yet or <laughs> me and my wife and our dog yeah. uh, to hop in a large travel machine and go around the world mm -hmm. and work from anywhere. But God, I envy people that do. And I know there's a lot of people that aspire to that. So yeah. what, what's that all about and what's it meant yeah. to you? Well, I can give you the good, bad, and ugly of the, of the digital nomad. 
journey and um, the good for sure has been the people that I've met, the experiences that I've had. That was something that when I set out to do this, I was very intentional that I'm going to live life joyfully. I'm going to seek out experiences that I have not had before in an attempt to learn something about myself and to have fun. I mean, that's the whole point of this. And so I have done amazing things. Uh, I got my first tattoo and then my second tattoo. Uh (laughs) Um, I tried Turkish coffee for the first time. I plan on learning how to surf next month. I did something called drum boxing. I've done aerial yoga. So these are all things that I just intentionally sought out, big or small. You know, you don't have to go skydiving to to experience joy. I mean, it can be these little things, like I said, a, a cup of well-brewed Turkish coffee. So the the bad part of it is, and maybe I'll turn this into a positive as well, is I have learned what I truly value. And I really value routine. I know that if I'm in a routine, I am at my best. I can be the best friend, the best colleague, aunt, dog mom, whatever. And when I'm out of a routine, it definitely shakes things up. So being living out of a suitcase, not having a permanent address, those things have been challenging and have forced me to, to, I guess, grow a little bit and knowing that I have to go with the flow. Even now I'm on the West coast. So my journey is up the coast of California. So most of my clients are in the central and Eastern time zone. So I wake up in the morning and I already have my inbox full of emails. And that was just something that already sets me like a little bit anxious. It makes, you know, my anxiety go through the roof because I'm like, oh, I'm behind. I'm so behind. So that has been something too, that I didn't anticipate And then just like the little things like, oh, I don't have a pharmacy here or, oh, I don't have a vet here. Like there's just some of those things that are very tactical, ticky tacky, but um, certainly are, you know, you can work around it. But all in all, I highly recommend it. Even if you do it for three or four months, it has been really enlightening for me. Well, do you find that that aligns, that sense of adventure aligns with the whole boldness and marketing concept? Aren't they kind of unified that way? A hundred percent. I, yes, you're exactly right. And I have drawn so many parallels from it. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, I I write a lot of stories or write a lot of posts about how, you know, taking the scenic route and having that Turkish cup of coffee is like branding or picking up and moving is like branding or training a dog. I really try and draw the parallels because I think there's a lot that we can learn from all of these adventurous experiences that can be applied to business very practically, in fact. Yeah, and, and this thing about leaving the comfort zone and the break from the normal routines. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, we got to do in business if we want to be bold to some extent. And I'm wondering too, you know, uh, I don't know if I speak for any of our listeners, probably some, I'm thinking digital nomadism sounds fun, but if we don't keep a regular residence, where do they send your driver's license? How do you have an address for car insurance and just the normal things that people attach to a physical address if you're addressless or do you keep a physical address for those things? Yes, there is something called traveling mailbox that's through the United States Postal Service. I don't know what is also out there for other countries, but traveling mailbox is a physical address. So the one that I chose is in the state of Texas and Mm -hmm. Uh, they scan my mail and I get it through an app so I can look at it and then I can tell them to open it, shred it. 
um, or forward it. And so a lot of times what I've been doing is, it, you know, if it's something I need, it can get forwarded to where I am. So I am renting Airbnbs for about a month at a time. And then also my parents have been a good go-between for me. So I sometimes have stuff sent to their house and friends have volunteered as well, because eventually people, I can give an address to where I am. But if you're thinking about it, I would look into traveling mailbox and set one of those up. And it's like 20 bucks a month. That's a great suggestion. And, uh, and I'm, want to take the listener advocate point of view and realize a lot of our listeners, it seems to me from what I'm discovering are like marketers themselves or consultants or coaches of people that maybe work with their clients over zoom and set scheduled meetings to do things like that. I assume you do some of that as well. How do you organize your work with life on the go like that? And, and what kind of routines do you develop around that? Um, client meetings and maybe client the client acquisition things we do meeting prospective clients. How does that how does that work for you and how has that changed with life on the go? That's a great question. When I started my business last May, one of the very first realizations I had is how to manage my calendar, and I had to be very deliberate about that. And what I've had to do is. I have Tuesdays blocked out for business development phone calls and networking phone calls. So I have a Calendly link set up and Tuesdays are the day. And it's really easy for me to say now, if somebody sends me a message on LinkedIn, hey, you know, I'd love to meet you. I say, great, here's my Calendly link. I accept new business calls or networking calls on Tuesdays. So it's very important to kind of start to compartmentalize your calendar that way. And, um, I have a lot of clients that uh, set up recurring meetings, so that's good. And then I build in blocks on my calendar to do work because we can get really caught up in meetings all day long and then you have no time to do work. And so after you know a meeting, I always build in a half an hour buffer because I want to be able to transition to the next meeting. We're just, as a society, killing ourselves by having back-to-back-to-back-to-backs. You don't get time to you know, basically recoup, think about, okay, what were my to-dos out of that meeting before you go to the next one and things just get lost. So being very right. disciplined with your calendar has been key for me. Now on the go, I have had to adjust a little bit, um, like I alluded to earlier with the time zone change. So there, you know, now in California, I start my day maybe 6 a.m. with meetings, but I'm done at about 3 p.m. So I've just had to adjust it. And it's it's caused me to, to change some things in my personal lifestyle as well. I, I work out in the mornings. I can't do that here because my day starts early with client meetings. So I work out in the afternoon now. So that has been an interesting shift, but you really can make it work if you're disciplined enough to set your calendar straight from the beginning and just hold, you know, hold it. And most people are very flexible with you and understanding about, I think 2020 taught us a lot about flexibility and oh, how we can, right. how we can adjust our calendars and not be so rigid. Sure. And and one thing I'm seeing is the compartmentalizing time mm -hmm. and allowing buffers maybe in part, because sometimes you're shifting roles and might be an interview like this, but then you might be with a client and, you know, we all have our different work personas that we adopt, our personal personas. And if we're stacking things back to back and expecting to shift our mode on the fly like that, that can be taxing. So I, I like the, the view to self-renewal and allowing for that time in a time yes. shift. 
I used to do 15 minute buffers and that wasn't enough. Um, 30 minutes is, is really good. And, and you may, as a listener may be thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even have, you know, that time, but you do give your, just have the discipline and say, you know, I can start the meeting at 11 o'clock versus 10:30. Like don't put yourself into a situation where you're constantly in back-to-backs because then it's mentally taxing. It's physically taxing because you haven't, you know, stood up for a couple hours. You probably haven't use the restroom or had water or food. So like do yourself a favor and build those buffers in. And it's just now automatic for me that a meeting gets booked. I go in and book a half hour right after. I think that's very wise. I, I would totally agree with that. I think some people are like, it needs to be all action. If you're just thinking about things, nothing's going on. Well, like, well, if it's all action, then maybe you haven't thought about things enough to do the right thing when you're taking action. Right. But if you're only That's thinking, good. of course, and nothing gets accomplished, it's all about being able to shift perspectives, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, do you find that this digital nomad lifestyle and sharing it online has helped your your reach and helped you acquire clients? Uh, yes and no. I, I would say that I don't think the digital nomad per se, that whole adventure has acquired new clients. I think what has happened is I have been more authentic and real in my personal journey and relating it back to business. And that is what people are attracted to and what they're responding Uh to. So, I mean, I I think yes and no, but I wouldn't say it's a direct result that they're like, oh, because you're a digital nomad, I want to hire you. It's like, thank you for being honest about your struggles. Thank you for being relatable. And thank you for taking a really cool story, relating it to business and making me think about it in a different way. That's what's resonating with people. So it's about just letting letting the world in a little bit and, and getting to know you that way. And digital nomadism is, just happens to be that particular flavor, but that's not what it's about. And right. just, just I was intrigued by that, just wondering, well, there's a lot of people that get a lot of traction from blogging or, do, or vlogging about their their um, van life lifestyle and things like that, because there's an intrigue about it. You know, I think that, um, and I'm getting older when I was growing up, the thing you did if you were an adventurer was follow the grateful dead around then. Right. You know, and that was the American adventure, leave the normal life and follow this counterculture traveling circus. You know? Yes. And now the van life, I think has, has some of that to it. You know, this it needs some adventure in our lives, don't we? It's about being adventurous in business too, isn't it? Right. Well, and to your point, there is an intrigue about this whole lifestyle. And even like Airstream has capitalized on it because Airstream has become this really uh, prolific brand in the adventure space. And what I think if if somebody is just a pure digital nomad and they're doing a lot of vlogging and, and things like that on social, they're probably getting um, attraction from other brands that want you know them to be an influencer. But um, I do think from a business perspective for me, it has just afforded me the flexibility to be able to say, yeah, I'll pick up a client in California, but I also have clients in New York. And so it's nice because I can uh, hop on a call at 6 a.m. or noon Pacific time and be in the same time zone. So it's it's been a great um, way for me to broaden my client base. That's awesome. So now... Thinking from the point of view of the listener who might either be in marketing, thinking, how can I add to my toolkit, or might be marketing themselves or their business, what would be 
a punch list of things that could only come from you to think about to market yourself better? So that's a great question. And I'm actually starting to do public speaking on this very topic called the subtle art of self-promotion. And so I think there is a hesitation from particularly women to want to promote themselves because it feels like we're bragging or imposter syndrome can creep in. And imposter syndrome knows no gender. It can be male or female, but I just find more women come to me and say, how do you get the confidence to promote yourself? So from a punch list perspective, uh, I like to say, okay, what are you feeling? What are the barriers to promoting yourself? It's likely probably some imposter syndrome, or you feel like you're bragging and you don't want to do that. And from an imposter syndrome perspective, I always say, look at what evidence you have to prove that wrong. So if you're going to go ask for a raise, you know, what is the evidence you know, what are the things that you've done that constitute the raise? Or if you're going to get, um, apply for a job and you think, oh, I'll never get this job. I'm not qualified enough. Well, you have a job right now, or you've been hired before. So that's the, the evidence that shows you're an employable person. So I would kind of write down like, what am I feeling? What are my barriers to promotion? And then it doesn't have to be perfect. So there is something called um, GetMo, which is good enough to move on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't procrastinate brand. Don't think I have to have this beautiful website before I launch my business, or I have to have this blog that has 30 posts before I start telling people about it. You just need to do it. And the data that you get back from how people respond and engage will be very beneficial to, okay, these are the types of things I need to continue to post. And then also be consistent, especially um, if you're trying to grow your business on LinkedIn, you have to be very consistent in posting. The algorithm is starting to reward consistency and authenticity. So again, the, the posts that I write that get the most engagement are the ones that are authentic and relatable and tell a story, almost a personal story that people can see themselves in. So I just wouldn't, I want to encourage everybody to move from hesitation to action and just take some baby steps. Um, if it feels scary at first, you don't have to post on LinkedIn if you don't want to, but start telling people, start emailing, start telling friends, Hey, I'm starting this business. I would love your support. Cause the more you get used to having that conversation, the easier it's going to get. So when you um, are approached by a solopreneur, or if you work with solopreneurs, not assuming you do, but a business of some sort, and they're asking about marketing better, how do you create whatever inventory you create consciously or unconsciously? You've probably gotten so good at it that it's internalized to a large extent. But if you had to think about it and explain it to someone else to step into your shoes and take your place for a day and do what you do, and be you, what kind of inventory do you take to assess potential and what next steps a business should take? I always first and foremost put myself in the customer's shoes and flip the question back to the owner and say, would you be your own customer? And that usually stops them in their tracks because I think instinctively they want to say, yes, hell yes, I'd be my own customer. But then it's like, have you actually gone through the process that you ask other people to go through. And what is that like? So I'm very focused on the, the user experience and making sure that all the touch points in that user experience are tailored to the persona and the type of people we wanna attract and convert. So that's probably first and foremost, I do a lot of discovery and a lot of asking questions. I, I seek first to understand 
I'm a big proponent of research. So if there's anything that we can do, if you have past research or even quick surveys, they, they don't have to be 30 questions. You can even ask one question to get some insight that can help shape the message. So first and foremost, what's the user experience like? Is every step of the journey reflective of our brand and asking them to do what we want them to do? And then looking at the numbers, you know, that's the art of it. But then the science of it is what are the numbers showing that I can analyze and decide at what point in the journey are we dropping off? And that's indicative of a place that we need to maybe take note and make some changes. Interesting. So you you, you look at one, taking the customer's point of view. And mm -hmm. I like the way you asked that question because then you get a leader to step in the customer's shoes and not, not all do that. Got to, mm -hmm. We just get insulated. It's easy not to if we're not careful to do right. that. But isn't the customer the one who decides the value of a product or service? So for not designing value from their point of view. And right. part of that I'm seeing too is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is looking at the touch points of engagement, the journey, so to speak of, or is there somewhere people are dropping off? Like, are they getting this proximate to actually doing business with us and it stops right there. So you can fill those gaps and make for us a seamless sequence of steps of acquiring mm -hmm. happy customers who refer and love us and all those wonderful things that we mm -hmm. want. That's awesome. So to wind things up a bit of what would be the top three things that you would suggest a listener of, and I would say most listeners are probably marketing, if not marketing, persuasion-oriented, certainly leadership-oriented, um, that they could do to further what they're doing in leadership or marketing. And then how would a listener get in touch with you to find out more about what you do? I think I'm going to borrow some words from a, a very dear friend of mine, but there are ways that you can advance from doer to leader. And so think about what you are doing in your day-to-day -day that um, is just very execution oriented and what do you want to be doing? And there is um, a matrix that I like to follow and it's from um, a tool through Entrepreneurial Operating System and the tool is called Delegate and Elevate. So from a leadership perspective for a week, you know, write down all the things that you do in a day and look at it and then you draw quadrants on the paper and what are things that I'm really good at doing and I like doing, things that I'm really good at doing and I don't like doing, things I'm bad at and I also don't like doing, but things I'm bad at, or excuse me, I'm good at, but I don't like doing. So you make these mm -hmm. this quadrant and you start to evaluate what can I delegate to people in order to elevate them. So now I'm in a leadership position where I am empowering those that I'm leading to rise up to the occasion. And by delegating, I'm also taking things off my plate. So doing this delegate and elevate exercise is really going to help advance you from a doer to a leader. And again, I'm borrowing that from my friend, Kelly Thompson. Um, but I also think staying up on trends. So, and there are so many trends that you can stay up on, especially in marketing, but what do you in particular want to stay up on? So I don't choose to try and stay up on AI. That is not something that I want to be an expert in, I will definitely follow other people's examples, but I want to be an expert and I want to be known for brand building. So that's what I choose to follow. I set Google alerts for that. I read articles about that. So find the one or two things that you want to have a strong opinion on, a strong voice on and start following that and, and getting engaged in discussions. And then 
books, podcasts, those things are very helpful as well. Um, anything by Patrick Lencioni is a tremendous book to read for leaders. Um, so I would suggest reading any of his books. And, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, there's a couple podcasts I love. Um, the CMO podcast with Jim Stengel is one where it, he interviews like the top uh, CMOs in the world. And there's always gems that you can get from that. So be curious, bottom line, be curious, seek out what you um, are curious about and never stop learning. And then if people want to get a hold of me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Brooke Janicek. And then I have this little like emoji of a sprout next to my name because I'm the grow CMO. So that's how you'll know you found the right one. Or you can uh, follow my digital nomad journey at brookeonthegrow.com. And uh, I would love to gain more followers and, and hear from the listeners. So always happy to, to meet new people. Fantastic. And to the listener, I'm going to link to all of this on the episode page at thoughtleadershipstudio.com. And that's in the episode description. If you're on app, hop on there and you'll see all of Brooke's stuff and your transcription of this interview. This has been fantastic. Brooke, I appreciate you. Um, Thank you. A lot of life and boldness to the podcast today. Wonderful. I'm happy to have done it. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thought Leadership Studio. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Brooke Janosek, the Grow CMO, maybe also known as the Bold CMO, or is it the Grow Bold CMO? And couldn't we all stand to grow a little more bold in getting out of the comfort zone, looking back at our former selves from a new perspective and making those leaps of faith where the net appears. Lots of great lessons there. I'm your host, Chris McNeil. I'm a strategic thought leadership coach and consultant. If you want to get better at your message, at building an audience, at captivating an audience, and creating a message that is resilient and robust in the face of artificial intelligence, I would love to talk with you and assess fit with working together. You can get a link to talk with me on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, which is linked to in the episode description if you're listening on an app. On that episode page is also a nice edited, curated transcription of the interview with Brooke, links to her resources, her website, LinkedIn, etc., and also the free marketer's guide to strategic thought leadership the free PDF we give away to give people an introduction to the building blocks of their own strategic thought leadership. So make sure you grab that if you have not already. Thanks again for listening. This is Thought Leadership Studio. I'm Chris McNeil, your host, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great rest of your week. Thought Leadership Studio.